I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. You should give and do for others because you want to do it. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Many people have asked me, Dre, do you do any form of coaching? The answer is yes. I have two coaching programs open, as a matter of fact. First, my one-on-one coaching program is my third day mastermind. For those of you who want one-on-one personalized attention, where it's just you and I, we talk specifically about your goals, your challenges, where you want to go, business professional-wise, where you're trying to get to, where you're at, what type of changes need to happen, whether those are tangible changes, intangible changes, starting with the being, then the doing. Of course, we got to get to the measurable havings. That is in my third day mastermind. My other coaching program is my Bulletproof Mastermind. That is my group coaching program where I will help you have clear, duplicatable systems for yourself and for your business and the discipline to execute. And I will help you make sure you have all of that stuff in place in 30 days or less. And then you're going to stick around the program even when you have your systems in place so that you can build your network so that you can connect with other people so that you can trade for services so that you can make those phone calls and send a text message and get problems handled that you otherwise don't need to be handling yourself or would not be able to handle yourself that is in my group program called the bulletproof mastermind you can get information and join either program by going to work on your game university.com right now again that is work on your game university.com for my one-on-one coaching or my group coaching program for one-on-one you hop on a zoom call with me so we can talk about who you are where you're at and how we can get started and the group coaching program you can sign up right there on the website right now both programs all information all details and get started by going to work on your game university.com you're now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up doing the work putting yourself out there even when the success you expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. What is that? That's the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. Then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, techniques, mentalities, all under the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is why. Black athletes, for whatever reason, well, we're going to figure out the reasons why they can't stop trying to be or feeling like they need to be or trying and failing to be activists. Why do black athletes seem to all want to be activists? We're going to get into this here today. There's a specific reason why I'm talking about this, of course, as always. Now, before I do that, 
I have a daily motivation text message that I want to send to you. Now, send to your phone free of charge every day. Only thing you got to do to get it is text me at my number. It's the same number I'll be texting you from. It is 305-384-6894. Text me there and you'll get my daily motivation text every single day straight to your phone free of charge. The number is listed down below in the show notes. Again, it is 305-384-6894. Now, I thought of this topic after I heard about NFL player Aaron Rodgers. Those of you who follow sports, if you don't, it's okay. I will explain what happened. Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, plays for the Green Bay Packers. He's won a championship. He's one of the best players in the NFL, at least as of now. He has won an MVP award. And he misled the media. At the beginning of the season, he got interview. He was you know, doing his media availability. And someone, one of the press people said, do you have the vaccine for COVID? And Aaron said, yes, I'm immunized. That was the exact phrase that he used. I'm immunized. And it turns out that he didn't actually have the vaccine. So then when he ended up getting COVID, he got COVID and then he had to miss a game and something like that. The media, of course, attacked him because he had misled the media about having the vaccine. But what we came to find out very shortly was that he never misled his team and his teammates. His team and teammates knew that Aaron did not have the vaccine. It's just that he had told the media that he had it. So he didn't actually lie to his employer. He didn't lie to the NFL or anything. He only lied to the media or he kind of misled them, let's say that, about having the COVID vaccine. So anyway, he went on a podcast recently, not recently, but shortly after it came out that he had COVID and people were like, well, how he has COVID if he said he had the or he had, he got, well, actually anybody can get COVID even if you have the quote unquote vaccine. It's not actually a vaccine if you can still get the virus, if you look at the definition of the word vaccine. But anyway, he went on a different, not a different podcast, a podcast. And he was just talking about the whole situation and what he didn't like about it and all that. And Aaron Rodgers made the following statement. He said, quote, I'm an athlete, not an activist, close quote. And I, that statement, Led to, it sparked the idea that led to today's episode. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a white guy, for those of you who don't know. He said, I'm an athlete, not an activist, because they were the people on the show that he had appeared on were just asking him questions about his political views. And he's like, well, I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I don't have a side. I don't have any political affiliation, all that stuff. And that's when he said that statement. I'm not an athlete. I'm an athlete. I'm an a- not an activist. I don't see many white athlete activists. Isn't that interesting that you don't see a lot of white athlete activists? Now, I see white athletes who maybe when they get a a platform or they get some attention that they go and say some activist-ish shit. They say some activist-ish stuff. They may say things in support of some idea, maybe some woke thing or whatever is approved by the media. And the yeah, let's just say by the mainstream media, because. Why would they say anything else and and face that attack and take the punishment they would get from the media for saying anything else? For the most part, I mean, y'all see what's going on. Y'all see the things that get said. And so I don't have to explain this thing, this to you, even if you're not a a sports fan or a sports viewer. You see the type of people who are making the biggest, most uh, loudest activism statements. And then if you see and most of them are black people or half black athletes. And then you see the white athletes, most of them not saying anything. And if they do say something, all they're saying is something that is in support of whatever the black athlete is saying. And it's usually pretty, now I would say for the most part, pretty mild support that they're saying it, maybe because they feel like they have to, or they want to make sure everybody knows that, hey, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. Don't attack me. Don't come at me because you know there's a lot of, especially over the last two years, 
a lot of I think a lot of white athletes might feel like they if they don't say the right thing, then they might get attacked simply because they're white. And again, I'm not making this up, am I? Y'all watch sports, don't you? Y'all y'all have TV, y'all have social media. If I, I'm if I'm getting any of this wrong, you let me know. And I see, like I said, I don't see many white athlete activists who are coming out there and being on the front lines and saying anything that is that you know outlandish. If anything outlandish is coming from the mouths of black athletes. And it's actually not really that outlandish because I don't hear any of them saying anything that is not already approved of by the mainstream media and hasn't already been said on plenty of social media platforms already before they go out and say it. For example, I don't see LeBron James saying anything that I haven't heard before. It's just that he's saying it, that it might become a bigger thing just because of who said it. But he's not saying anything brand new. He's not bringing any new ideas or new arguments to the table. And I don't see that from any of these other athletes as well, which is why the title of this episode is the title that black athletes can't stop trying to be activists because none of them is actually saying anything new. None of them is bringing any new ideas to the table. None of them is bringing any real intelligent conversation. All they're doing is amplifying what has already been said by a bunch of other people. But because of their stature and because of their platforms, it seems like they're being activists, but really all they're doing is repeating what other people are saying. But let me, I haven't even gotten into my point yet. But I was listening to a guy named Steve Kim, who is an Asian guy, and he made some points that I'm going to hijack a couple of his points and expound upon for this episode. Because he said a couple of things in passing that I said, you know what, that actually is accurate, what he just said there. And he didn't go deeper into it, but he made it a hot line. I'm going to make it a hot song. I'm going to expound on those points that I, I borrowed from Steve. And I want to make a whole episode out of a couple of them. And of course, along with many of my own thoughts and ideas here on this episode. So let's get into it. The topic, once again, is why black athletes can't stop trying to be activists. Number one, white athletes. And mind you, for those of you who are not familiar with me, my background is as an athlete, played basketball professionally for almost a decade. So this is why I'm talking about sports in particular, even though I could be talking on the activist thing, I talk from many different angles. I'm talking about athletes because of that reason. So this first point, white athletes don't owe anyone anything. What's that had to do with anything that we're talking about here? I have felt and I've seen and I still see to this very day that many black athletes who quote unquote make it. When I say athletes, I'm talking professionals. I'm not talking about amateur athletes. Many black athletes, it appears that many of them feel that they have the pressure to quote unquote do something with their success. And this is actually not limited to athletes. Black people who make it, quote unquote, make it in business, make it in entertainment, make it in sports, make it in uh, even academia, make it in anything. Many black people, I feel like, and again, this is just my observation and my theory, that a lot of black people, when they make it, they feel like they have to do something with their success in order to, quote unquote, give back to the other black people who haven't been as successful as they are. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But what I am saying, I'm juxtaposing that with white athletes. When a white athlete makes it or a white entertainer or a white business person, a white lawyer, a white teacher, a white doctor makes it, I don't feel like they have the same internal pressure. And I mean, just in their own minds to do something with their success that they have to go and give back or they have to go help somebody else who's not as successful just because they're successful. I'm not again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with giving back to people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with helping somebody out, but I feel like a lot of black athletes, when they make it, 
they have this pressure that they have to do it just because they made it, that they made it. And everybody else who didn't make it is looking at them like, all right, you made it now. What you going to do for us? I feel that absolutely. That's not a, a feeling. That's a, a truth. I know this to be true, that when a black person, quote unquote, makes it in anything, there's a lot of other black people who maybe they know or are around who didn't make it, who want something from them. I'll give you an example. This was a few years ago. I was talking to a, a football player, a guy who had played in the NFL. And this guy was a first round draft pick in the NFL. Very successful. You know, he signed a big contract. You know, you get your first round draft pick in the NFL, you're going to get a nice contract and you're going to get a nice signing bonus. And NFL players get signing bonuses a big deal. NBA players don't usually get those. Their contracts are guaranteed. But NFL contracts are not guaranteed. But those signing bonuses, is, it could be a, a hefty sum of money that you get right up front just for signing the contract. You get to keep it no matter what. So this player was telling me the story of how he signed his contract. He's a first round pick. He gets his signing bonus and he's from a, a smaller town in the United States. And he went back home after signing his contract. And of course, everybody where he's from, all his family members, everybody comes to this big celebration to celebrate him signing his contract and making it to the NFL. Everyone knows how much money he signed for, the exact dollar amount of his contract, the exact dollar amount of his signing bonus. So here's how, what he tells me happened. He gets to his, his celebration. It's like a, a cookout, a barbecue for a family. And he has these envelopes for people in his family who have been important to him. And he you know, gave them a little something, gave them some money as a kind of like a, a thank you gesture to them for him making it. Now, this is, this is point number one. This, this, is, this is case in point number one. I'm still on point number one of today's episode. I don't think white athletes do this. Now, I'm not white, so I don't have the experience. So if there's any white person who's listening to this who has, quote unquote, made it, you have become successful in the eyes of your peers or your family members or your community. Did you have to do this? You made it to what you made it to. And there was a celebration for you making it. And you felt like you needed to give everybody something, you need to get them some money, you need to hand, you need to give them a little something to help them out just because you made it. I don't think this even happens in other communities. And it doesn't happen with every black athlete. Now, let me be clear. It doesn't happen with every black person in any area. But this guy was telling the story and I wasn't surprised by the story when he told it because I know the kind of place that he's from. I know the, the type of family that he comes from. I understand this. So here's what happened. So he has these envelopes and he has some money in it for certain people. So he gives some to this person, this person, this person. He gave his uncle a card with some money. in it. He just gave it to him, kept moving around, shaking everybody's hand, all of that. Now, he says he circles around the party and all that. His uncle, who he gave the car to with some money in it, comes up to him. And his uncle was like squaring up with him with his hands up. His uncle wanted to fist fight him. This guy who just got drafted into the NFL, his uncle wanted to fist fight him. Why didn't uncle want to fist fight him? Because his uncle felt that the amount of money that this newly drafted NFL player gave him as a gift was not enough. This is a true story. His uncle felt like he didn't give him enough money. So he wanted to fight him because the gift wasn't big enough. Now, let's be clear. This NFL player who got drafted, he could do whatever he wants with his money. It's his money. And if he wants to give people money, he can give them money. The fact that his uncle felt entitled to not only money, but more than he was given as a gift is that's an example to illustrate the point that I'm making here. It doesn't prove the point, but it illustrates the point. And in the black community, as I said, a lot of black people, athletes being one group that we're focusing on here today, feel like they had to help everyone else who didn't make it, quote unquote, 
and get criticized if they don't do it. If you don't help people, you created some success. If you don't help other people out by doing the quote unquote right things or saying the quote right things, then you get criticized as you're doing something wrong or you're not using your platform the right way. I've had black people say that to me. There was Nicki Minaj, the rapper, when she said something about, she said she had some negative ideas towards the COVID jab. She was saying she didn't want to get it because she heard this and that, whatever her reasoning was, doesn't even matter why. She just didn't want to get the jab, at least at that time. And there were black people who went on TV and attacked her and said, well, Nikki, you've been blessed to have your success and have your platform and have all these followers. You need to use it the right way. And this is, again, this is a, only black people say this to each other. Uh, you have success. So you said something that I disagree with. That means you're using your platform wrong. You're not saying the right things. You're not saying things that I agree with. Again, I never hear white people saying this to each other. All right. You're not saying the right thing. You're not using your platform the right way. It's almost as if with black people, when you make it or you create some level of success, whether that's on fucking YouTube or you're a superstar NFL player, you need to do things a certain way and abide by a certain code. And if you don't, then there must be something inherently wrong with you. And again, it's only I only see this in the black community. Michael Jordan, for example, Michael Jordan was famously apolitical. He was famously not involved in. He didn't talk too much about any type of social issues. Michael Jordan, I wrote an article about this in probably mid-December of 2021. Michael Jordan's main focus, the thing that made him great was that all he focused on was being the best basketball player he could possibly be. And that means Michael Jordan's focus is pretty damn good because Michael Jordan was pretty good at basketball. He is credited with the saying because there was a year when there was some black guy who was a Democrat who was trying to run for some political office in the state of North Carolina where Michael Jordan is from, or it might have been Illinois where Michael Jordan was playing. I don't remember which one it was. There was a black guy who was a Democrat. He was running against an incumbent white Republican for the same office. And Michael Jordan was asked if he would give his his vouch, if he would vouch for this black Democrat guy, if he would give his endorsement is the word for this black guy. And Michael Jordan declined to do so. And he's been credited for years with saying Republicans buy sneakers, too, as a quote, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Now, Michael Jordan has denied that he actually said that but it's been attributed to him for decades. But even if he had said it, here's the point. People try now with the revisionist history to criticize Michael Jordan. Well, Michael Jordan didn't do enough for black people. Michael Jordan didn't speak up enough about social issues. And this is a prime example. He wouldn't co-sign some black Democrat against some white Republican simply because he was more focused on himself and focused on making money. And now look at the athletes now. They speak up about everything as if that makes them better than Michael Jordan because he decided not to say anything about a certain point. The idea is accurate that Michael Jordan never felt the need to, quote unquote, do something for black people just because he's black. I remember Michael Jordan was on Oprah Winfrey once. This was probably might have been around the time. Might, they might have still been playing at this time, maybe 19, late 90s. Michael Jordan was on there and Charles Barkley were on there, was on there. And they were, of course, talking with Oprah. and. Charles Barkley is he's just giving Michael Jordan a good ribbing. He's saying Michael Jordan is cheap. No, Michael won't. No, he won't pick up the tab when he's out with other people and all this stuff. And Charles even told the he gave the example that when Michael and Charles are out together in public, that Charles Barkley will pull money out and give money to homeless people. And Charles said, you can find this video on YouTube. And Charles said that Michael will say things. Michael will say to Charles, man, don't get that guy any money. 
And Charles like, what's wrong with giving money to a homeless guy? And Michael and Charles said that Michael would say, and Michael Jordan was sitting right there when he said it. He said, Michael would say, look, that guy could say, please give me a dollar. He can also say, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? And the whole audience started laughing and Michael laughed and Michael didn't deny it. And I, I believe 100% that Michael Jordan would say something like that. And honestly, that's an idea that for the most part I share. The point being, many people have used these, uh, this idea against Michael Jordan, like, well, you made it and you have all this success and you made all this money, but you're not, you know, quote, quote unquote, doing something for black people. But I don't see anybody saying that about you know, Tom Brady. You're not doing something for white people. I don't see people doing that with you know, who's a, another successful white person, fucking Wayne Gretzky, Peyton Manning. I don't see anybody saying that about them. Uh, you got to do something for white people. You got to do something for your people just because you're the one who succeeded. Even a guy like Barack Obama, who became president, Part of the criticisms of Obama since his presidency by black people have been this guy became president and he didn't do enough for black people. But I never hear anybody say that about all the other presidents who've all been white. You didn't do enough for white people. It's only in our black community. Again, when somebody makes it, they get criticized because they didn't do enough for black people. What about black people doing something for themselves? That's the question that I have. I don't think there's anything wrong with a black person making it and saying, well, look, this is what I did. Listen, I can show you what you can do, but I don't have to do something for you just because I made it. But as we have seen, again, the topic here today is black athletes. Many black athletes have this mindset nowadays because wokeness has started to become more and more pervasive. I see many current black athletes having this mindset that they have to do something just because they're successful, not because they actually have something of substance to say, because most of them do not. Not because they have some new idea to share with the world, because we've heard them talk and none of them is saying anything that I haven't heard before, but because they're black and because of the pressure that they're getting from media, specifically social media, and maybe how some of them came up, like my football player friend who told me that story about his uncle wanting to fight him because he didn't give him a big enough gift with his signing bonus because his uncle knew exactly how much money he had. I guess he felt like he was owed a bigger percentage. I never see any other community where this kind of expectation exists, but maybe you do. Point number two, today's topic, once again, is why black athletes can't stop trying to be activists or maybe why they won't stop. It's not that they can't stop. They won't stop. Point number two, this is a form of survivor's guilt. And this is, I mean, this, this could be a whole, it could be a whole book written on this subject right here. Within the black community, people who become successful, because you became a success, and other people from your neighborhood or other people from your family, they did not reach the same level of success that you did. And it's not in every family in every neighborhood. Let me be clear. But for some athletes, you feel guilty and you have to somehow make amends for your success. You have to do something to make up for the fact that you are successful and other people are not. Almost basically apologizing for your success by doing something for other people. All right. So you became successful. That other person didn't. So now you have to do something for me. And if you don't, you're not doing right by your community. You're not doing right by your platform. You're not, you're not doing right with the success that you've been blessed with. You know, that's the phrase that people like to use. You've been blessed to have all this success. But if somebody earns their success, they earn their success. It's not you. Yes, they have been blessed with it, but they also did some work with it because you were blessed by even being born. You still had to do some work to make that blessing turn into success. So people like to use people like to you know, change the words around and use these phrases to try to make someone feel as if, well, nothing that you actually did led to this success, because then it draws the parallel between, OK, you were blessed with success. 
I wasn't blessed with success, which means you owe me something. You just happen to get lucky. But it says nothing about the work that that person put in and the dedication and the discipline and the commitment and the mental toughness and the showing up it says nothing to all of that stuff that led to the success. We just say, well, you've been blessed with this success. So that means you owe it to everybody else because you were blessed and I wasn't as if it was some lucky lottery that the person became successful. That's bullshit. And it, again, I only see this in the black community, but maybe I only notice it because I'm black. So again, any of you who notice it somewhere else, please point it out to me. Let me see. So I see a lot of black athletes or black people who feel some level of guilt and feel like they have to make amends for their success by giving to other people who are not as successful. Now, let me be clear. I said this earlier. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing wrong with doing for other people. and There's nothing wrong with wanting to do for other people or to give to other people. But you should give and do for others because you want to do it. Not because your uncle or your childhood friends or your family or somebody on Twitter is telling you that you need to give back to the hood just because you came from the hood. All right, you came from the hood. You did the work to get out of the hood. You have created success with yourself, given whatever talents, opportunities, resources you had. That does not mean you owe it to somebody else who didn't do the same thing. Again, why don't I ever hear about white athletes needing to give back to the hood or give back to the give back to the cul-de-sac or wherever they came from? Is it because all white people are rich and financially stable? I don't think so. Statistics say otherwise. Is it because all black people are broken, poor, and destitute? I don't think so. All right, statistics say otherwise. In the black community, we have this issue of the person who makes it somehow needs to do all the heavy lifting for everybody else. One person makes it, they need to lift everybody else up just because they made it. When instead, this is the way that I look at it, this is the work on your game view of that, is that a person who makes it amongst the group they can be the example for everybody else, not the crutch for everybody else, and definitely not the meal ticket for everybody else who hasn't yet made it. I'll give you another example. I can't remember who the player was who was talking about this, but there was a, I can't remember who it was, but there was a, a black player who played in the NBA. He's not in the NBA anymore. He was telling the story of how he's in a locker room sitting around with his teammates, and he was sitting next to one of his white teammates, a guy named Kyle Corver. And Kyle Corver, I think, is still in the NBA. He's older. He's been in the league for a while. He might be retired now, but he's been in the league for a while. And this black player is sitting next to Kyle Corver and they're talking about money and finances and all this stuff. And this black player talks about how when he gets his paycheck, how he is paying for he's paying rent for like three different people. He's buying a house for his, his mom. He's taking care of this person, that person, that person with the money that he's making, all these people that he's financially responsible for with his paychecks from the NBA, this black player. And his teammate, Kyle Corver, who's a white guy, Kyle Corver is like looking at him crazy. Like, really? You pay, you pay your parents' bills. You take care of this, this, and this, and this for all these people in your family, but your paychecks from the NBA? And Kyle Corver couldn't believe it because he had never heard anybody say anything like that. And a black player said, yeah, of course. And he said, you don't do that for your family? And Kyle Corver was like, no, <laughs> I don't pay my parents' bills. I don't give my parents any money. I, my parents do what they do with their finances. I do what I do with my finances. He couldn't even understand. He couldn't even fathom the idea that just because you have made a bunch of money, now you're supposed to be the meal ticket and take care of everybody else in your family just because you have money. Now, what if this black NBA player, here's the question. What if this black NBA player had never made it to the NBA? What if he didn't make it to the NBA? What if he was just working at, you no, know, what if he was working at some, a bank and he was the manager of a bank, just making you no know, 60, 70, 80 grand a year? What would all those people that he's taking care of with his NBA paycheck, what would they be doing? And see, this is the question that people don't have answers to. Now, it's cool. Like I said, you make it to the NBA or the NFL or wherever you make it. You can make it as the, the head of a hedge fund. 
you could have a startup and have a, a successful exit for millions of dollars. It's your money. You do whatever the hell you want to do with the money. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with someone doing what they want to do with money they have legally earned or whatever you want to do, do it. My challenge is if you didn't make it and you didn't have that money, what would all the people that you're taking care of be doing for themselves if you couldn't do it for them? And again, in the white community, I don't even see this problem ever coming up because there's no expectation. But black athletes, there's this expectation either from the athlete themselves. It, it's kind of seated in the communities and the minds of many people that they either have to do something financially or say something and publicly saying things or saying the right things or being some kind of activist in some way for certain causes that adhere to the quote unquote black code. And there is not just one black code, but I'm, I'm using air quotes when I say that just because they made it, that they owe it to everybody else. And I don't agree with this at all. And that's why I'm bringing it up and I'm bringing it, making it a discussion. Point number three, today's topic, once again, is why black athletes can't or won't stop trying to be activists. So they are failing at doing so. And we finally get to that point, which is here. Number three, they are not real activists. The athletes that you hear or heard, they've been pretty quiet over the last year, at least as of this recording. Athletes that you heard speaking up so much in the summer of 2020, which was the summer of social justice, as I like to call it, all right, they were very outspoken. A lot of them had a lot to say. They were all saying the same things, but they were saying it a lot and they were saying it loudly and they were saying it proudly in the summer of 2020. Let's get a definition of this word activist so that everyone knows where I'm coming from here when I say why athletes keep trying to be activists, but they're failing at it. Quote, this is from Wikipedia. Activism consists of efforts to promote, impede, direct, or intervene in social, political, economic, or environmental reform with the desire to make changes in society toward a perceived greater good, close quote. Now, this part is based on my reading of situations, okay? What I'm about to tell you. Now, that was the quote of the definition of activism. Now, what I'm about to tell you is based on my reading of situations. Activists do not only speak up and make noise when it's convenient. You're not an activist if you only speak up when what you're saying is already agreed upon by the, the group that you're talking to. You're not an activist if you only step up and say stuff that everybody has already said already. You're not an activist if you're just co-signing the ideas that the, the community that you're a part of has already said. That's not activism. It's, it's not activism if that's all you do. Then all you're, what you really are is just a mouthpiece if that's all you're doing. If that's what you're doing, you are a marketer and a promoter. There's nothing wrong with being a marketer and a promoter, but don't call yourself an activist and don't you know, promote yourself or tout yourself as some activist for change when all you're doing is saying the same stuff that everybody else has already said. That is simply marketing and promotion. Activists, a true activist, is the type of person who shows up even when you don't want them to show up and they make noise about stuff that people don't want attention brought to. That's real activists. That's real activism. I'll give you an example. Here in Miami, where I live a few years ago, it's probably about 10 years ago, Walmart. Everybody knows Walmart, right? They tried to build a superstore in Midtown Miami. Now, any of you who's in Miami, if you ever been to Midtown, you know that for the last 10 plus years, actually, it's been longer than that, like for the last 15 years here in Miami, right in Midtown, there is a big gaping available space of land right in the middle of Midtown Miami. I mean, this is prime real estate for someone who wanted to build anything big. It's a huge space. The kind of space that you could put a Walmart, you know, those super Walmarts, you could put a super Walmart in that space. That's how big that space is. And I mean, right in the middle of Midtown Miami, any of you know how much real estate costs in Miami, you know that this is prime real estate. 
you could build a mall in the space that is available right now in Midtown Miami. That space has been empty for the last 15 years. Walmart was very close to building a superstore there. They had the, the documentation. They were doing the, the zoning and all this stuff to build a superstore there. And here's what happened. Some, and the reason why Walmart wanted to do it, because obviously Walmart is a profit company, for-profit company. They were going to make money. They were bring a whole lot of jobs because a store that big has a whole lot of employees. A lot of jobs would have been brought into that area of Miami. But at the same time, Walmart's bring a certain element to the town that some people in Midtown did not appreciate and did not want. So what they did, these activists, they started acting against that Walmart plan happening in Midtown. Now, here's the thing. There were some people for it and some people against it. The people who were for that Walmart being built were like the zoning people, the land agents, the real estate agents who were selling that land, some of the government people, because why? All these people stood to make a lot of fucking money if that Walmart had gotten built. So they wanted the Walmart to get built and the taxes that the city would have made off of Walmart. So a lot of people wanted that Walmart to be built. So the activists, and this is why they're activists, because there are a lot of people who wanted that thing to happen. These activists came out and they worked against that Walmart and they worked hard against that Walmart. I mean, they went hard. They showed up to all those city council meetings and made noise. They spoke at the, the hearings and said why Walmart should not be built here. They went on social media and they got support. They went and got signatures on petitions to fight against that Walmart and they got that thing shut down. That, that land that I'm talking about in Midtown Miami is still available to this very day and it's been blank again for 15 years. That's activism. Activism is when you are saying something that people don't want you to say and going against something that people want you to be quiet about. That is activism. That's real activism. It is not activism when you only speak up when you're saying something that's already been agreed upon and you know, co-signed and allowed. And what I see a lot of athletes doing that are calling themselves activists and ESPN is calling them activists, or they're not doing any activism because none of them is saying anything that goes against what they've been told to say. So they're not actually activists. Black athletes have only been vocal when it's agreed with, for example, in the summer of social justice, like I said, but now let's look what's going on right now, at least as of this recording. There are mandates for people to get jabs. You look in the NBA, and I guess it's happening in the NFL as well, but in the NBA, I see it during the games. You play in the game in the NBA, you're you know, playing basketball regular, but then when you come out of the game, you have to put a mask on your face while you sit on the bench. But then as soon as you go back in the game, you can take the mask off and breathe all on the players that are playing against you and playing with you right there on the court. What logical sense does that make? Of course, it makes no logical sense whatsoever. All right. We all understand this. Even if you agree with mandates, mask, even if you agree with all that shit, you agree it makes no sense that you got to wear a mask while you're on the bench. But as soon as you go in the game and the line that separates the bench from the court is literally like six inches thick, all of a sudden you can take the mask off and breathe right there. All right. What's the difference? That makes no logical sense. Now, here's my question. Not about whether it makes logical sense or not. My question is, why? what NBA player have you heard speak up or speak out about it? Name one NBA player who said, I don't like the fact that we have these, we got to wear masks on the bench. It's stupid. It makes no sense. I don't like the fact that if one of us gets COVID, if you were around that guy who got COVID, you got to sit out for 10 days and then you got to, I don't like the fact that we got to get these up the nose PCR tests every day when we come into the facility. I don't like the fact that someone who's not vaccinated is supposed to sit on separate parts of the plane and they can't sit with their teammates during team meals. These are real things, by the way, for those of you who haven't read up on it. Have you heard a single NBA player say anything about any of this? Now, here's my question. Since nobody said anything, is it it's possible that maybe they all agree with it? Do you think they all agree with it? And if you don't, here's my next question. Why hasn't anybody said anything? Why are they all so quiet? 
And let me give you my theory. My theory is the media has already agreed that all these things are good. That mandates, the jab, the masking, the social distancing, the ostracizing of someone who doesn't get the jab, the separation of the people who don't have the jab from the people who do. The media, mainstream media has agreed with all this. The government has pushed all of this. Therefore, these quote unquote activist athletes, fake activist athletes, they're not saying anything because it would be going against the grain of the media and the government. And that's why they're all quiet. And that is why they're not activists. Because if you're a real activist, anything that you disagree with, you speak up on it and you speak out and you make sure everybody heard you. And that is why. And I, I've maintained this from the very beginning. Colin Kaepernick, the NFL player who took the knee and ended up out of the NFL. He got blackballed out of the NFL. Whether you agree with his knee or not, we can all agree he did get blackballed out of the NFL. Now, whether you think it was okay for him to be blackballed or not does not matter, but he did. The one thing that I respected about Colin Kaepernick's whole thing, everything that he's did up to this point, the Netflix documentary, uh, well, we'll talk not documentary, but the show, whatever you want to call that. We're going to get to that in a few future episodes. The one thing I respect about Colin Kaepernick is that what he did was some actual activism, because at that point when he took that knee in 2016, nobody else was doing that. Nobody else was co-signing it. The government was not telling him to do it. The media was not telling him to do it. He did it and it was controversial. There were people who were attacking him. There were people who were against him for it. There were people who were telling him to shut up. And he did not have a bunch of other people on his left and on his right co-signing him. He did that. He struck out on his own doing that. That part I respect, even though I disagree with what he did. I don't think that was the best way or time to do it. I don't think he should have uh, torpedoed his NFL career in order to do that. I don't think he should have, you know, these last, what, five, six years, he could have been playing in the NFL. I think he would have been better off playing in the NFL and talking to the media through that platform than what he's become now, which is like a martyr who lost his NFL career. And now I don't know what you call what he does for a living now. I don't think he should have did all that. But I respect the fact that he spoke out and stuck his neck out on something that was not the agreed upon talking point at that time. And here's the thing that I've always maintained about Kaepernick. And say he took that knee and all these athletes were saying, well, he was right and he has a right to take that knee. He has a right to protest the way that he wanted to. A lot of people said that then when it was happening. And then in the summer of 2020, when Derek Chauvin kneeled on the neck of George Floyd, a bunch of athletes said, well, see, Colin Kaepernick was right for taking that knee four years ago. My first thing was, motherfucker, you've been in the, you were in the league in 2016. Why didn't you take a knee? Since it was so courageous and since it was so right, why didn't you do it? So you thought he was right for taking the knee in 2016, but you were standing up during the anthem in 2016. So if it was so courageous and so ballsy to take a knee, why didn't you do it until now? First time we saw all, all the athletes taking the knee was when? In 2020. Colin Kaepernick took that knee in 2016. So for four years, they all stood there and watched him take a knee and watched him lose his career. But all of them stood quiet, real, real quiet, like a bunch of church mouse mice. Then all of a sudden, when it was OK, when it was when it was a co-sign by the NFL and by the NBA and by the mainstream media to take a knee. Now all the athletes want to take a knee. All right. This is the, that is the prime example of why these guys are not activists. They only found their balls when it was co-signed by their bosses. Now, if I got that wrong, somebody let me know. Point number four, today's topic once again is why black athletes can't stop trying to be activists. Number four, newsflash for everybody. Being famous or being known or making a lot of money does not carry with it a responsibility to speak for other people. Let me say that one more time. Being famous, being known, making a certain amount of money does not 
carry a responsibility for speaking for other people. Now, you may choose to speak for other people if you want to. You may decide if you want to use your platform. You can use your platform to speak up for other things because you have the attention on you. You can use it to talk about whatever you want, just like Colin Kaepernick did. You can talk about whatever you want, even if people disagree. I didn't agree with what Colin Kaepernick did or how he went about it, but I respect the fact that he has the right to do so. And he had a big platform to do it. I think he should have kept the NFL platform as opposed to, again, I don't know what platform he has now. Netflix. Uh, He should have kept the NFL, in my opinion. But he's his own man. He does what he wants. Just because you're famous does not mean you need to speak up for other people. You do not. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. An athlete is known because of your ability to do your thing and your profession. An athlete, a lawyer, a doctor, a whoever. Only group that might be responsible for speaking for other people is a politician because you got elected by the people. Therefore, you work for the people. So you actually, that is a mandate. You have to speak for people because they actually elected you. That is literally your job. Now, but an athlete, a rapper, a singer, a, a YouTuber, you don't have to speak for other people just because you created success. You do what you want to do. If you want to speak for other people, do it. If you don't, you don't have to. That is not your responsibility that some person who didn't make it, they tell you what you got to do because you made it and they didn't. Well, listen, if you actually believe that commentator in a YouTube video, you make it and then you speak for other people. That's the way I see it. You are known because of your game and your job. You do not owe anybody anything. You don't owe your hood anything. You do not owe the less fortunate anything. You don't owe your family anything. And hopefully your family's not putting pressure on you to owe you something like my NFL player. He got his NFL player friend, uncle want to fight him because he didn't give him enough money. You don't owe the kids anything. You don't owe anybody anything. You did the work to get to where you are. If they want to get somewhere, they can do the work too. Now you can tell them how to do the work. You can give them that. You don't owe them that either if you don't want to, honestly. If you choose to help people out, great. But make sure you're doing it because you want to, not because somebody told you that you had to, not because somebody told you that you owe them something. Because you made it, you do not owe people who didn't make it. What sense does that make? If you make it, the one thing that you can give people, you can give people, notice my wording, is to explain to them how they could do something for themselves. Not that you need to give them something because you made it while what they sat by and watched you do it. So now you owe them something. What Again, how does that even make any sense? I don't understand that. Show them how they can make it too. And again, you don't even owe them that if you don't want to do that. We got the people like me and whoever who want to get into that world of telling people how to step their game up. We'll do that. If you want to get into that, you can do that. You don't owe people nothing just because you did it. This is why, and all of this is part of the argument of why I see black athletes trying and failing to be activists. They're trying too hard to do activism simply because of these reasons that I'm explaining here today. As we recap today's class, why black athletes can't stop trying to be activists. And Roger said, I'm an athlete. I am not an activist. I wish more black athletes would have that mindset, but there are many reasons why they don't. And I laid them out here today. Number one, white athletes don't seem to have a mandate of owing anybody anything. But black athletes seem to have this pressure to do something with their success just because they're black and just because they made it. Point number two, this is a, this is a form of survivor's guilt. Because you come, you became a success, then other people from your neighborhood or your family or your community, they didn't become successes. You have this level of guilt on your shoulders and you had to make amends for your success, basically apologizing for it by giving your money, giving your time or reciting the talking points that everybody else who didn't make it want you to recite just because. And listen, there's nothing wrong with doing things for other people, but do it because you want to do it, not because your uncle or your childhood friend is telling you that you have to. You are not the meal ticket or the crutch for other people who didn't make it. You did the work to make it and you do what you want with the success that you've created. Point number three, 
These athletes are not real activists. Activism consists of efforts to promote, impede, direct, or intervene in social, political, economic, or environmental reform with a desire to make changes in society toward a perceived greater good. Activists don't speak up only when it's convenient. And a lot of these black athletes are only speaking on things that are convenient for them. I do not think most black athletes agree with the mandates of the jab, with the protocols that they have to follow based on it. Yet none of them saying anything. What do you think would happen if all the NBA players said, we don't like these mandates. We don't like having to wear a mask on the bench. We're not doing it anymore. I don't like having to sit out game 10 days if I get COVID. Look, we're all going to survive in any way. If we all get it, everybody's going to survive. Nobody's going to die from it. We don't like this. We're not playing another game until y'all drop all these mandates. If they did that, what do you think the NBA would do? When they, when they said we're not playing because Jacob Blake got shot in his back by a white cop, what did the NBA do? The NBA, NBA did nothing. They got quiet and said, we're going to follow what the players say. If the, NBA, if the players did the same thing about the mandates, what do you think they would do? Well, if we had any activists in the NBA, we would find out, but we won't because they're not actually activists. Point number four. Being famous does not come with a responsibility to speak for other people. You are known because of your ability to perform in your particular job. You are not known because you speak for other people, unless that's your job, speaking for other people. And the only person whose job that is is a politician. You do not owe your hood. You don't owe the less fortunate. You don't owe your family. You do not owe your kids. You can give to those people if you want. It is your choice, but you don't owe them anything. Just because you made it, you do not owe people who didn't make it. You can show them how to make it, and then it's on them to do what they're going to do with that. Or not. All this said, text me and get my daily motivation every single day. My number is 305-384-6894. My group coaching and one-on-one coaching programs are open right now. You can get on a call or sign up right now directly, depending on which program it is, by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp, focused, and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Get daily motivation.